Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit lifepointpb.com. All right, and uh, if you need a Bible, if you'd wave at one of those good-looking guys with a maroon shirt, um, they'd be happy to pass it to you, and so you could follow along. And when you have a Bible, you can turn over to Matthew chapter 6. That's where we're going to be in just a moment. Um, While they're doing that, though, I'm going to, and before we get into the message this morning, I'm going to ask David to come, wherever David is. Where are you at, David? Um, And... um, David and Amanda are getting closer to uh, departure, Lord willing, but I asked David just to kind of give you an update of what's going on with them. Yeah, so if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, or you're new around here, my family and I have been working to get to uh, the people of Isan, Thailand, 22 million people with very few who know the Lord, and uh, we've gotten a long way from when you all first <laughs> partnered with us, so thank you very much, as Paul says, for partnering us from the beginning in the work that God has for us. We're very thankful for that. Um, So in the last little while, we've been sharing at a few new churches, and so the Lord has added to the number of people who are in the battle for Isan with us, and he's raised up some new financial partners for us, and so praise God, we're now at 85% of what we need to be at to be able to go, which is fantastic. The Lord is very faithful. So one thing that we are asking folks to pray for that we would ask that you would join with us in is to pray that by the end of October we could get to 90%. And the reason for that is that there's a few logistical pieces that have to play out for us to go. And basically at 90% we can buy a plane ticket. Once we have a plane ticket, then we can apply for a visa. And then eventually we can go. And so we need some time for those things to happen. And our heart is to leave in January. So hopefully we'll kind of get those things all lined up soon. And if you feel like perhaps God may have stirred you to partner with us financially, now is a great time to let us know about that so that we can plan out these last months and be ready to go. Um, so another thing that we'll be doing in the future is continuing our training. Uh, we're in uh, an Old Testament survey course right now to better be able to explain God's word. We're continuing to find more churches to go visit with and connect with and partner with. And uh, we, we are continuing along the same path we've been on for a while now. And so part of what I wanted to share briefly, just here, pardon me, stepping away from the mic here, Um, but just as you have been so carefully and lovingly partnering with us along this journey, um, the Lord was stirring my heart this week from this passage in Psalm 90, where he starts out by explaining how God is from everlasting to everlasting, and for him a thousand years is like a watch in the night. It's, it's nothing. And then he goes on to say that the years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. So he contrasts the everlasting nature of the Lord with our short and in many ways tiresome lives. And so here's the conclusion that the psalmist gets to. And this is what I would ask that you'd pray for us and, and, and probably for yourselves as well is, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. As as I was uh, talking with folks earlier, we've been on this journey for a couple years, and it kind of feels like we're getting to the end of something, but we're really just at the beginning, and all of our lives are just a breath. And so we want to be wise with what God has given us to do in this time that he has for us. And then the final words here, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. 
and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So would you please pray for us that as we finish out our time here well, as we back out of ministry that we're doing here, and as we pursue and begin our, the next journey uh, that God has for us, that he would be the one doing the work in us, that we would not try to accomplish in our flesh what is meant to be done in the Spirit, and that he would establish this work of reaching the people of Esan. I asked David a question um, this morning because I thought I knew the answer, but I wanted to hear it from him. And it kind of sets up where we're going in the message this morning. I asked David this question because I don't know how many of you know, David's an engineer um, by education and, and skill and trade. And he um, was doing well at that. He and he's got a beautiful family, if you've seen their family, with Amanda and their children, um, home. They, they had the American dream, if you will. And I said, David, why go to Thailand? Why not just pray for, send money to, do those different things? Why up, you know, basically liquidate everything here and take your family and for the next decade at least um, go to Thailand? And I, I want you to hear his response to that. The, the reason we're willing to release the American dream willingly is that the, the Lord of the universe has spoken. Our king, mm -hmm. who is our commander, gave us an order. And any other thing we would choose to do with our lives is an inferior good. As mm -hmm. pleasant as it may seem, uh, God knows what is best for us, and we trust him with that. Amen. Amen. Thank you, David. Love you guys. Appreciate you. Matthew chapter 6. When he gave me that answer and he used the word king, it resonated because this morning we're going to talk about the kingdom. Kingdom. Jesus said, when you pray, here's a model for that. Again, I've said this before, I'll say it again. It's not a mantra, it's a model. Okay? It's not designed just to be recited. Okay? That's fine if you recite the Lord's Prayer, that's not a wicked thing, but that's not the primary purpose for it. The primary purpose for it is to demonstrate to us how Jesus wants us to pray. It's a model. It's a demonstration of that. And he said, to begin with, and we talked about last week, we begin with praise. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. And so it really is a, it's worship. We begin with worship-based prayer when we come to him. And we talked about this last week. Um, hopefully you've had an opportunity this week to practice some of that. And I encourage you, keep on practicing, because it's one of those things that you grow in, that the Lord does something in your heart. When you're willing to have worship-based prayer just permeate your life, the Lord will guide you in that. And it becomes exciting, it's creative, it's an adventure to go on, just to be a worshiper of the Lord. But he says, as you move from that, that's, that's foundation for you. But he said, before you jump into all the stuff that you want and need, which, by the way, he's going to get to that. But he's saying there's a couple things you need to do first because it helps prepare your heart. The second thing is you need to ask, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then he says, give us this day our daily bread. All right? And so it's not that God's not concerned about the specific requests that we'd have, the needs that we have, the tangible we could even say fleshly. I don't mean fleshly in a negative way. I just simply mean things that are earthly, things that are necessary in this life just to live and survive. We're praying for an earthly thing. That's support. I asked David this morning, 
What does that 5% look like monetarily? That's $350 a month. That's what that 5% looks like. So that's what they're praying and believing God for, for the, by the end of October, that God would provide that monthly support. So that's an earthly thing. It's, um, it's not a wicked thing. It's not a godly thing. It's just an earthly thing. Used for kingdom purposes. So how do we pray your kingdom come, your will be done? There's a little challenge that I have with this because immediately we start talking about kingdom and I think we tend to think heaven. I mean, when you hear that, your kingdom come, you kind of think heaven. So are, is Jesus saying be praying that heaven would come? Is that, what he's, is that what he's asking us to do? That doesn't make sense in the context of this verse, and I'll show it to you as we go through. And here's something that you have to be aware of. When Jesus talks about the kingdom, in fact, he talked about the kingdom a lot when he came and he's preaching. And you can see it. John is preaching the kingdom. We see that um, as John the Baptist begins his ministry. And then in Matthew chapter 4, um, if you'll look with me, you'll see Jesus as he begins his earthly ministry in Matthew four seventeen. From that time, Jesus began to preach. Now, what is he preaching? I mean, we should pay attention to what he's preaching. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And see, the term kingdom of heaven, again, we think, oh, is heaven at hand? That's not what he's saying. Heaven is what we're thinking about when we, when we die or when the Lord comes back and we are in this place that he has prepared for us. But that's not what he's talking about when he says kingdom. He's saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's literally the Greek word, it's near. It's, it's here. So what does he mean? As he begins to preach that the kingdom is already here, and yet he's telling us a few chapters later, pray for the kingdom to come. Look with me at the next verse in Matthew chapter 6. This is later in the same chapter that we're reading right now. It's a very familiar verse in Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God. Now instead of saying the kingdom of heaven, he says the kingdom of God. And by the way, you'll find this interchanged throughout the gospel. Sometimes they call it the kingdom. Sometimes it's called the kingdom of God. Sometimes it's called the kingdom of heaven. These terms are interchangeable. But he's saying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, they were concerned because he, Jesus is speaking to them about physical things. That they were concerned about what they're going to wear and what they're going to eat. And Jesus said, don't, don't give thought of that. He even talked about, don't worry about how tall or short you are. He said, Jesus thought, yeah, he did. He said, don't worry about your stature. Don't worry about how tall or short you are. You can't change this. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. All these things, I'll take care of that. They'll all be taken care of. And so, Jesus is obviously talking about something. When he says pray for the kingdom, he's not talking about heaven as we understand it. So what is it? What is he talking about? I want you to look at this next verse with me. In Romans 14. Because we get a little more, Paul is writing here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and we get a little bit more understanding about the kingdom. What does this kingdom look like? For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating. This is Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. That's interesting in light of what Jesus just said back in Matthew chapter 6. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink. He says, it's not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So what is he doing? He's setting up a contrast. He says there's two kingdoms at work here. There's the kingdom that makes sense to us. There's the kingdom of eating and drinking and pleasure and delight and entertainment and all of these different things. He said, there's a kingdom. There's an earthly kingdom here. And then there's my kingdom. 
And there's a contrast. My kingdom isn't about, first and foremost, eating and drinking. Does that mean if you're following the Lord and if you're seeking the kingdom, you don't eat and drink? No, it doesn't mean that. That will only last for a while. And then you will make it to the kingdom of heaven for real, all right? Um, So he's not saying not to eat or drink. He's not saying that these things don't have their place. He's saying they are not the priority. They're not the priority. Our pleasure, our entertainment, even the very food that we eat, that is not the priority. And yet, sometimes it seems like it's the priority. How many of you have had this conversation? Some of you are going to have this conversation today after church. Where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? Where, I don't know. Why don't we go here? We just had that. I don't want that. That doesn't sound good. Nothing sounds Have you ever, the words ever coming out, nothing sounds good. Why? Because we've often made this kingdom the priority, the focus. Later in this chapter, chapter 6, we're going to get to fasting. After you fast a little while, every bitter thing tastes sweet. After you fast, it won't matter. Matter of fact, I'll never forget coming off a long fast years ago, and what was available for me to eat when I came off was Dolly Parton soup. And how many remember Dolly Parton soup? Anybody remember Dolly Parton soup? Uh, it was basically just cabbage and some veggies and stuff and a broth. That's what it was. Best stuff I ever put in my mouth. I'm telling you, when you're hungry, doesn't matter. But here's the thing. We make these, these other issues the focus. Jesus says, I, I've got a different focus for you, a different priority. I'm the king, I have a kingdom, and if you'll listen to my words to you, my direction, if you'll, if you'll submit to that, if you'll desire that, all this other stuff I'll take care of. Look at this next verse with me, because he's got, here's another comparison that Paul's going to do. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. You want to know some of the differences of this kingdom? He begins to list for us some of the stuff that are not part of the kingdom. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then he begins to list some things. Look at this. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, or idolaters, or adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. You say, wait a second. You mean none of those people get to go to heaven? None of those people get to have the kingdom? None of those people can even have the kingdom here that Jesus is talking about? Look at the rest of the, what, what Paul says. Does it go on? Did I put any more up there or not? Is there another verse? I don't know. The next verse says, And such were some of you, but you have been washed. You've been sanctified. You've been justified. See, here's the truth. This is not a condemnation of saying, you're bad, you're good, you get heaven, you don't. You get the kingdom, you don't. Basically, this is, here's a picture of some of the activities, some of the things that we get engaged with when we're seeking this kingdom and not his kingdom. And he's saying, there are two separate kingdoms going on here. You've been involved. Matter of fact, I can go through that list, and most of them I'm guilty of. So I can identify when it says, and such were some of you. I was, but I've been washed, I've been justified. And there's a new kingdom at work. There's a new king and a new kingdom. I want you to understand something here. That when, we, when Jesus is telling us to pray for the kingdom, he's got a different kingdom in view than the one that so permeates our life. And here's the real challenge for you and me, is how do I see his kingdom while I'm living in this one. This is the real challenge. How can I have eyes to see his kingdom while I'm living in this one? 
That's why we pray. I'm praying, Lord, Your kingdom come. So last Monday morning, I was up early and doing some stuff, and I came back in, and Lori had turned on the news, and she goes, have you heard about this? And I go, heard about what? And she goes, there was a shooting last night. And so I sit down, like many of you, and I start watching the, just the awfulness there. And I find myself in moments like that thinking, Lord, how do I pray? What do I pray for? And I begin to find myself, Lord, show me how to pray for your kingdom in the midst of all of this. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Or if we talk about natural disaster, or just brokenness in people's lives, how do I pray? What do I do? What do I ask for? How do I do this? I began to ask these questions years ago, 14 years ago. As the Lord began to walk me through this, how do, first of all, I become a worshiper. That's really what worship-based prayer is. It's worship permeating every part of my life. And God began to take me down that journey. And then I looked at the second part. How do I pray for the kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? There's a key in that phrase, by the way, where he says, your will be done. Not just your will be done, because if I were to ask you, is God's will going to be done? Most of you would say, sure, yeah, it's God's will that's going to be done. And that is true. God is sovereign. His will is done. Yet Jesus is telling us to pray that his will be done. But he didn't stop there. He said, pray that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So how is his will done in heaven? How do the angels do his will? Because that's what he said. Pray that it be done here like it's done there. How do the angels do it? See, these are, Jesus put so much in, this, in these, a few words right here. Well, how do they do it? Well, they take his command and they joyfully receive it and obey it. I love what David said this morning. My king, our king said, go. This was the command. To do anything else, no matter how pleasurable, no matter how enjoyable, would be disobedience. It would be, to use the term, it would be insubordination. The angels are never insubordinate. The ones who were are no longer there. The insubordinate angels followed Satan, a third of them. So the, when Jesus said, pray that it's done here like it's done there, it's done joyfully. It's, there's a response to the command of the king that says, yes, I'll go, I'll do. Whatever. Doesn't matter. As I was walking through this prayer journey, for myself, I was like, Lord, I don't know how to pray this way. I don't know how to do this. How many of you grew up with an idea of God and church tradition or culture that you need to surrender your life to the Lord, but be ready because the thing that you don't want to do, that's what He's going to make you do? How many grew up with that kind of... I did too. But that's all right. Just grin and bear it. Suck it up. Go on. Endure. You'll be a good Christian. You get brownie points for that. That is wrong, 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 wrong. All right? Wrong. That is not our Father. Now, does He ask me to do some things I don't like to? Yes. But it's not His fault. It's mine. All right? It's my flesh. Not the problem. And the problem's not with His command. It's with my flesh. 
God's best for you and me is exactly what we would choose if we knew all the facts. His will for your life is exactly what you would choose. You do it exactly the way He's planned it if you knew all the facts. The problem is you don't, and neither do I. And you may not know all the facts until you see Him in eternity. You may not know the whole story until then, but when you see the whole thing, you'll say, Lord, I would have done it exactly the way you chose it. Now, here's what this prayer is about, though. This prayer is about God transforming my heart so that I believe that now, even though I can't see it all and I can't understand it all. That's what Jesus is saying. When you pray, you pray, Lord, your kingdom come and start it in me. I know your kingdom's already here. You came, Lord Jesus. But what I'm asking is that you be king here in my life and in this situation and beyond this situation. So when I'm praying about the things that are happening around me and people's lives and in this world, God, I want to pray and ask you to be in charge in this area. Be at work in people's lives here. Lord, change. Cause there to be a joy and just and a belief that doing what you ask is the best thing in every area. That when the Lord gives a, a command or a boundary or parameter for any part of my life, that it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not a harmful thing or a wicked thing. It's a good thing. We see this with our kids, don't we? And our grandchildren. We see things and we know that they don't understand yet that there are bigger ramifications here and we're, and we're trying to help them understand and see. If that is true for you and me with our kids and with our grandkids and with nieces and nephews and small children and any way that we're working with those who are younger, if that's true there, how much more so with the creator of the universe with us? There's just stuff we don't know. But I'm willing to pray and Lord your kingdom come your rule your authority your command followed in this situation the same way that the angels follow it with joy it's not just okay all right Lord I surrender I'll do it your way I don't have any choice really we almost treat God as though he's a bully I don't have any choice you're God what am I going to do I can't fight God that's not surrender that's I don't know what that is. But it's, it's, there's a work that he wants to do in you and me. It's like, Lord, yes, I don't understand. I don't know where this is going to go. There, I, I'll be honest, some of this scares me a little bit. But I trust you. I believe you. I want your kingdom at work in my life. I want your kingdom at work in this situation. You're going to find that if you pray this way, it changes everything in your life. Lori and I have been trying to get away together, just the two of us, for almost the whole year. <laughs> um, we've, been, we've been working at that because it's important to do. It doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be... Um, it, I try to, every fifth anniversary, do something really special. Um, but at other times, besides anniversaries or the fifth anniversary or anything else, just have time together. It's been a hard year to do that. And we've booked it. We've tried something about five or six times this year. And every time, there seems like there's a need that arises or something comes along and it needs to change. And in my younger days, it really frustrated me when stuff like that happened. 
because I'm a planner. I like to plan and work it all out. And we've got we've got all the steps. And the Lord began to do a work in me as I was as I was praying about this. Lord, your kingdom come. The Lord began to change my heart and say, Troy, if you want my kingdom, that means you have to let me dictate the timing of everything that happens in your life. And you've got to believe that if I don't allow something now, I've got something else in mind and it's better. It's better for you than what you have in mind. What you think is really good, I've got something better. But you're going to have to believe me for that. And I would say, I think that through the years, one of the things that God's done in both of us is to really believe that. We've seen him do that. We've seen him put his hand and say, you know, I don't want you to do this right now. There's nothing wrong with it or evil or wicked. I just don't want that for you right now. I've got something else in store. And so we wait and see. We trust to see him do what only he can do. I never imagined, I never imagined how good God is when I started this journey. I never imagined it. I never imagined how incredible he really is. Now, if I were to tell you all of my story, there's some stuff in there you'd say, that's bad. How do you say God's incredible? Because in the midst of that, he demonstrated his power in my life and he changed something in me. He's incredible. There are wishes. They were not even spoken. There are wishes that I have had where I, I haven't really prayed them, I thought them. And I have seen God do them because they lined up with His kingdom purpose. Folks, this is a whole different way of living. Most people do not, let me change that, most Americans do not live this way. They do not. Most American Christians do not live this way. They just don't. I'd like to think I live this way, and sometimes I don't even live this way. We are used to doing what we want, when we want, how we want. We know what is best in every situation until it gets so painful and so difficult, and then we cry out and say, oh God, I don't know what to do. You didn't know what to do to start with. You just didn't recognize it. It's not the American way. It's not the American way to walk away from the American dream and go halfway around the world. That's not the American way. It's not the American way to forgive that person in your family who has hurt you deeply and really doesn't deserve your forgiveness, but you forgive them because Jesus forgave you. That's not the American way. That's not the human way. It's not the American way to say, you know what? I want that, and since I want it, then obviously I should have it. And if I work hard and plan and manipulate and do certain things and maneuver, I can get it. That's the American way. That's the kingdom of this world. He says, I want you to ask for a different kingdom, for a different king to be in charge, to do things a different way. I want that to proceed before you ask for stuff. Before you ask me to do specific things, 
I want you to get this. I want you to praise me. I want you to get your heart in such a place to say, Lord, you be king. You be king in this situation. I was a few years ago, as we were learning this, I was wrestling with one of my children, not physically, but yeah, but wrestling. You know, you understand what I mean. And I could not seem to communicate to them anything of truth or value. And it just seemed to be a constant war and battle. You, under, you know what I'm talking about? You guys understand? It may not be a child, it may be a different relationship, but you know what I mean. It just, you can't seem to, to get through. And I began to cry out to the Lord. And the, God was teaching me these things. And so I'm asking, Lord, would you do this work in this person? And would you, would you change this? And would you open their eye? And would you do all these things? And it seemed like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, why? Why? What do you mean, why? Can't you see? I mean, I can see. I'm sure you can see. This needs to change. This is bad. This isn't good. It needs to change. I kept hearing it. Why? Why? Well, Lord, because they're doing the wrong thing. Okay. Why should I do anything about it? Well, Lord, they're not doing the right thing. I kept saying it the same way. You know, this, this needs to change. Why? And finally, I'm slow, but I've learned, I'm learning as I go along, Lord, what are you trying to communicate to me? Why do you keep asking me this question? Why? Like, Troy, I want you to think down, why do you really want this to change in this child's life? The honest answer when I finally got down to it, because it'll make my life easier. It'll make me look better as a parent. But really, it'll just make life easier. That was my number one motivation. It was my, my leisure, my comfort. God changed them so I can be more comfortable. And it was like the Holy Spirit said, that's the problem, Troy. You haven't gotten down to my kingdom come my will be done because your motivation is still an earthly fleshly motivation it's a motivation of this kingdom not of my kingdom what if i were to change your heart so that you had a love that goes beyond your comfort and goes beyond your convenience and goes beyond your image what if i could give you a love that's greater than that for this child. I thought, Lord, matter of fact, I remember asking, Lord, let your kingdom come in me. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I can tell you that I have seen God do things in that child's life, but you know what I've seen that's been even greater? and done things in my life. And maybe that was the problem all along. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not God. I know this. That these are more than just words when we say, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's more than that. It's, it's a whole new way of thinking. It's a whole new way of living. It's a whole new way of seeing life. I'm out of time. I'm going to ask Lord to come play.
I want to share something with you. She's coming to play, though. I want to give you a project this week. Go to Matthew 13 and read the parables in Matthew 13 because you'll find in just about every one of them, Jesus says, this is a picture of the kingdom in Matthew 13. I don't have time to go through them all this morning, but the parable of the sower is there. The parable of the wheat and the tares is there. The parable of the pearl of great price is there. The parable of um, um, the treasure, the one who found a great treasure. The, the parable of the woman who put yeast in bread and, and then it caused it all to rise. And with each one of these parables, he says, the kingdom is like this. The kingdom is like this. If you want to know how God's going to begin to affect your praying, you begin to see what the kingdom is like. And there are lessons in each one of these. And I don't have time to go through them all, but the Holy Spirit, He's your teacher. He'll show you. For example, He began to show me as I looked at some of these that like the wheat and the tares. He says the kingdom is like this parable of the wheat and the tares. And in that story, they sowed good seed, but then someone came, the enemy came and sowed sowed weeds in it and then they began to grow up together and so the workers saw it and said hey we got to get rid of those weeds let's pull out the weeds and he said no if you do that you're going to destroy the plants you're going to destroy the wheat let them grow together we'll harvest it all and separate it you say Troy what in the world does that have to do with the kingdom there are things that don't make sense to you and me now that have to grow together they have to grow together they will be separated at some point. But right now is not the final judgment. Right now is not the time where we go in and start trying to pick out certain weeds. So as I'm praying, sometimes I've been praying, literally, sometimes my prayers have been weed picking. Lord, pull that out and pull that out and pull this out and pull this out. And God wants to change my perspective and say, okay, Lord, as you're letting this grow, Give me wisdom to recognize where you're going to, you're going to fix this, but it's coming at a later time. That parable of the, matter of fact, there's several parables in there that talk about the fact that time is a problem. That things don't happen in our time. They do happen. There are parables in there that teach you that don't despise little things. Don't get discouraged because it doesn't seem very big. That the kingdom thing that God's got you praying about, engaged in, working in, it doesn't seem big or impressive. Because he says, the kingdom's like a grain of mustard seed. You put it in the ground, it's the smallest of seeds, but you put it in the ground and it grows up and it becomes a tree. And birds rest in it and people sit under it, their shade. He's saying, a little thing. I do something in a little thing and make it much. So don't get discouraged with little things. Don't get discouraged with timelines because he talks about that woman who puts the yeast in the bread and just a little bit, but over time it causes all of it to rise. Don't get discouraged with time. See, as you and I begin to ask for his kingdom to come, he's going to change the way we think. He's going to let us see life from a different perspective. He's going to bring a peace and a joy and righteousness and he says my kingdom is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit that's my kingdom
That's what he's going to do in you and me. And how does he do it? As he teaches us to pray. That's how he does it. Bible study is great. Please keep studying your Bible. It's great. But it won't make that fundamental change in you. It won't. It wasn't designed for that. Worship is great. Keep doing it. Sing. Praise. But separated from prayer, it won't do it. Preaching is a great thing. We're supposed to do it. But it won't, it won't make that fundamental change. Sharing the gospel. We should share the gospel. We should share the good news with people. But without prayer, what is sharing the gospel? If the Holy Spirit doesn't do the work, what have you done? And if you don't pray, how do you know the Holy Spirit's doing the work? It's just you doing the work. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm not being critical of any of these things. These are all important, fundamental things of the church. But the problem is, is we've made the focus on these things and we've forgotten the fact that Jesus said it all flows out of a transformed life and that life is transformed because you learn how to pray. Because you're willing to pray. That's why I'm passionate about it. I'll never stop being passionate about it. Unless I backslide and go off the deep end, in which case, pray for me. All right? Pray for me. As a matter of fact, Paul said, pray for me, lest having, after I preached to others, I myself would become a castaway. So that, I'm serious in this, no joke. Pray for me. Because Paul understood. It wasn't his will, it wasn't his encounters with the Lord in the past that would keep him from sliding in the future. It was the power of God at work through the prayers of his people. Everything that God does in, on planet Earth, in my opinion, he does because his people pray. I believe that. I believe he's at work, and he's working through, he's, 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 he's causing us, he's stirring in us, he's causing us to see things and care about things, and he's saying, I want you to pray with me about this, and then as you pray, I may show you some stuff to do beyond praying, but I want you to start right here. I want to give you a burden right here, I want to change your heart right here on this thing. In that relationship, in that situation, in governments, in disaster, in all of this stuff, I want you to start right here. I want you to pray. I want you to ask me how I want you to pray. Let me guide you. Let me show you. Lord Jesus, help us know how to do this. be able to pray your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven it's done perfectly there Lord do it here Lord help us because there are questions we can't answer I can't answer I don't know how praying for people lines up with the fact that you don't force them to do anything. You move, you work, you draw them. You, Lord, you move in their life. But you don't, you don't take them like a puppet 
and make them. So Lord, I don't understand exactly how my prayer fits in with all of that. I don't, I don't, I just know you said pray and that you do, you change, you work in people's lives. Lord, I don't get how we pray against evil and yet evil still happens. I don't understand all that. But I pray for your kingdom to come. And as long as we draw breath on this earth, we're going to continue to pray against evil and that you would be king in every heart. Lord, I don't understand how so many of these things fit together. But you say to come to me and pray. Ask. Believe me. So, Lord, we do. Lord, today I pray because there are many in this room who have prayed about things and they just have not seen they've not seen what they thought they would see either it's taken a long time or it's gone the opposite direction and so Lord it's discouraging it causes us to question maybe we misunderstood maybe we didn't get it right maybe we're doing something the wrong way Lord, thank you for those parables of the kingdom that remind us that your kingdom works totally different than this kingdom. And that you are moving and working like that yeast, but you can't see it. But over time, it's producing something. Lord, cause us not to quit and give up. Not in our families, not with our children or our grandchildren or with our parents or our loved ones. But Lord, we wouldn't quit praying. We wouldn't quit. We would not come to the place where we stop seeking you and asking for your kingdom and your will. Lord, give us wisdom to discern when you're doing a work in the thing that we're praying for and when you're doing a work in us. The work in us is just as valuable. Give us wisdom to see it. Lord, cause us to trust you and believe you no matter what. Lord, I want to be able to say with Job, even if you kill me, I'll still trust you. Because, Lord, you're good. And no matter what you do or allow in my life, you are good. Lord, do this work in us. We pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. And teach us each day how to pray this way. If your heart is open right now, the Holy Spirit speaking to you and your heart is open to say, I want to learn how to pray this way, then just tell him, Lord, my heart's open. Just tell him, Lord, my heart's open. It's open. I want to learn to pray this way. And if your heart's not open, that's okay. I, I, I don't know if it's okay, but it's, it's okay. I pray for you. I pray right now, Lord, by your Spirit, 
that you'd make those hearts open. They're probably closed for, for valid reasons. There's hurt, there's wounding, there's disappointment. There's fear. And so God, I pray, be the healer of a damaged heart today. Speak love where there has been hatred. Embrace, Lord, where there has been rejection. Lord, would you woo that heart? Because that's what you do. Would you call? Would you draw? That's who you are. You have the right to do it any other way, but Lord, that's who you are. I pray for the ones today who have been praying for a long time and they're at the point of giving up. I pray today for fresh courage. Lord, your kingdom at work in them to give them everything that they need, righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to do something with me. I want you to stand. I'm going to ask my prayer partners, if you come to the front, and there may be stuff going on in your life today that you're just wrestling with, please give us the privilege to pray with you. It is a privilege. Let us be able to do that with you. Not in a judgmental, not in a critical way, because we all got stuff. Has everybody got stuff? We all got stuff, right? Look at the person next to you and say, you got stuff. You got stuff, yeah. And look at the person that just told you that and say, you do too. No, you do too. We all got stuff. We got stuff. All right? So there's no, nobody sitting up here looking down. Nobody critical or judgmental because we all got stuff. We just go to the one who can handle all our stuff. He's the one. So let us pray with you. Let us be able to do that. God bless you. It's been an interesting day, a different sort of day. But you, I sense the Spirit at work. And if he's working in you, don't leave without letting us pray for you. God bless you.